Hi there, listener. This is Justin Lewis, and I have here Tanner Wayland with me today. Say hi, Tanner. Hi. <laughs> and uh, today on How to Be a Better DM, we are going to talk about sort of a niche topic, uh, one that I think a lot of people struggle with without knowing they struggle with. So let me paint a picture for you. It's session zero, right? And you've finally gotten all your PCs in the same room. We'll say it's a tavern, right? They're sitting at the same table. Uh, a few of them know each other. So you have two over here that know each other, two over there and two over there. Uh, but like happens with most groups, your players start saying, oh, well, my character is mysterious and untrusting of other people. And you have to prove yourself to me. Uh, except every player in your party is acting like that. So the question that we're going to answer today is how do you get your players or at least your PCs to start treating each other like friends and to start wanting to travel together and to view themselves as a party. Uh, I think that is one of the most difficult things to do in session zero or in a one shot, especially if you as the DM don't outright say you guys have been traveling for a while. You are already friends. So uh, naturally, let's let's get that one out of the way. The simplest way to do that specifically in one shots is just to say you guys are already friends. You have a long history. You don't need to worry about that. That method doesn't really work when it comes to long-term campaigns because the whole point of the campaign is to see how your your, your party integrates and becomes solidified and, and galvanized, right? Uh, so, so we'll get that one out of the way, but Tanner, any initial thoughts? Uh, my initial thought is that, like you were saying, it's not as clean of a process as, as you'd like. It's not as clear-cut because not everyone has a fellowship of the ring type <laughs> situation where they're all sitting they all gathered for one reason and then they all everyone who joined it volunteers and is like oh you have my axe you know that kind of thing most of the time it's like oh they just happen to be in the same town together and then this event happens you know a, a party of orcs attacks the town uh and as much as we'd like to believe you know we like to skirt over the fact that they're like oh uh obviously these people band together to go fight the orcs it's like not everyone does that some people when they see trouble they just you know they they get out of town, you know, uh, but but so wh that's why the inciting incident is so important. And also you have to have kind of external factors that tie them together. Uh, for example, you know, if they are in a town, like let's say that they're there for a festival, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll keep with my example and an orc attack happens, you know, instead of just assuming that the players are going to fight together, what you could do is have an initial fight in the plaza, you know, uh, or in the town square. And of course, everyone's fighting there because all the players just happen to be there and stuff. But then after that, you could have it be like, oh, everyone else that wasn't a town guard deserted except for you guys. And the mayor sees that and kind of uh, like specifically puts you guys together, right? Like inciting incidents like that, you kind of need that initial moment of obligation or obligated partying in order to then later build on that and hopefully make some more connection if that makes sense yeah that makes total sense and actually <clears throat> let's let's kind of put this into an example so let's use the example of our homebrew one shot that we're working on with rob uh from new york mm -hmm. rob van auken or or no wait is that his DM name or his real name? I think that's his real name, right? That's his real name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Roderick Van Helm 
Robrick Van Helm yes. is his DM name. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so for our one shot, it's called uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, the Chime Fell Ceremony, right? And mm-hmm. thinking about this inciting event, um, the way the... Gosh, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but essentially your party comes to a town, per- participates in festivals and trials to win uh, awards to kind of become a new ceremonial figure that protects the town in a sense, uh, but also protects reality in a sense from uh, like an encroaching dimension. Uh, and at one point, a leader of the monastery hosting the event turns and basically summons the big bad that everyone was trying to keep out, right? So I think in this case, to, to kind of give an example to what Tanner just said, an inciting, an inciting incident could be this session. Like, this could be your session zero. All the players come from different places to participate in the Chimefell ceremony and possibly gain the award, right? Become that ceremonial figure. Uh, and mm-hmm. I feel like naturally, as your players win, because they naturally will, they'll win those trials, they'll come together to meet the chief monastery officer or whatever the name is, the, the abbot, uh, and, and that, you know, they'll meet each other, and then the inciting event will be that large monster gets summoned and suddenly they have to work together to fix the problem right uh, I, I think that mm-hmm. might be strong enough to be like wow we, we were pretty cool together we should hang out more kind of an idea right yeah I, I think that uh, when you have a galvanizing like event then that can cause a lot of connection uh, otherwise like I think it's a little bit harder uh, with like longer journeys, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, if if you do have an inciting event that all happens in one town, like what happens in our, uh, you know, the chime uh, fell ceremony, then then that's like very easy because all the players are in one town. There's a festival. They're all there for the same purpose. They're doing the same trials, and you know that you that's a, certainly a way to make it happen. And then just you as the DM as they're playing, you're having little moments that you create of them like being like oh this person's not half bad you know this other uh character and and things like that can kind of help them become more of a party uh how about if you were on like a longer journey style uh like campaign though like how do you what little things along the way create connection there when you say longer journey style campaign can you give a little bit uh yes yeah like where they're going to multiple locations, you know, they go from a town to a dungeon to a seaside port to, you know, and they're like camping along the way. They run into bandits here and there. It's just like, it's a lot of traveling okay. and there's more a bunch of small events versus one big event. Yeah. See, even that, uh, I think, is, is, is pretty easy. So I think deep down, and this is honestly, this is kind of a topic of social encounters anyways there's a book called the like switch uh and and it's funny these last you know these last few duo episodes where you and me have both been on have been both about dnd but also about life in general so uh Mm -hmm. this this is this is more about life in general but this book is called the like switch it's basically an fbi agent writing a book about how to influence people and kind of gain relationships and things like that and he lays out what's called or what he calls the relationship formula right and he says your relationship is a formula derived from in er, uh, proximity frequency intensity and duration 
So essentially, you can boil mm-hmm. down relationships to how close are you physically, how often, and like how intense are the emotions you feel, and uh, how long are you close together. See, that's why, in in my opinion, when you go and work at a new place, at first you don't really make friends with the people sitting at your desk. You may or may not introduce yourself, but if you don't, after a month, you're gonna know each other's names, and you're gonna you're gonna start talking to each other just because you sit next to each other every single day. So in this case, with forcing your players to be together, you essentially have to get that formula in action, right? In the case of the galvanizing event, they are having such intense emotion that it's kind of like the foxhole friends, right? Shared trauma leads to strong emotional, or at least somewhat strong relationships. But in the case of a long-term campaign, you're having them together for often, those natural occurrences are going to happen naturally. But also, they're just going to, in real life, they would naturally relax and feel more comfortable around each other because kind of from a primal sense, that person, that unknown, is becoming more known, right? Uh, so I think just for uh, the key to getting your PCs to want to travel together is to have them kind of fulfill that formula, you know? Uh, and there are obviously other things yeah. to do, but I think that that's a good place to start. Yeah, I like that too because it, it made me realize kind of a, an issue with a lot of uh, DMs uh, and, and characters, you know, because it's we're talking about parties here. But if you don't give, like, one, if you don't give your players the incentive to create good backstories, and then second, and this is where what I've realized with your comments. If you don't allow uh, the players to have settings and situations and prompted places where they can share parts about their character that they've created and parts of their character's personality, then even if they have shared trauma, like you were saying, and even if they spend time together, what are they going to know? It's like you're with someone at work who only ever talks about work, right? Are you going to actually ever know that person? Probably not. You know, you're only going to know them in a work capacity because they never talk about their personal life. And so if you ever saw them outside of work, they'd be practically a stranger to you. You know, it's like a teacher in school, right? Uh, since kids never find out about what's, what their teacher did when they see them at the supermarket, they're like, what the heck, aren't you supposed to be at school? Uh, it's kind of like that where if your uh, players um, are only having their characters talk about the event in front of them, the next goal, the next thing, and they never talk about their character backstory or, you know, or get opportunities, you know, during downtime to kind of be like, oh, what would my character do? Then they won't have any, like, any latching on points for each other, right? Uh, I, I think that's an important thing. Hello, this is Tanner, and I wanted to introduce you to the character I'm playing for a live play D&D campaign on the Pact and Boon podcast. His name is Wolfgang Kainstotter. He's a dampier, meaning his father was a vampire and his mother was a human. He was raised in a noble family of vampires that specializes in providing mercenaries for both nobles and criminals, which is where he learned his skills to become a ranger, at least when he wasn't being bullied by his half-siblings. All that changed, of course, when he got sent to the Nine Hells of Calignos, where our story begins. If you'd like to follow along with our adventures, please check out our new live play podcast, Pact and Boon, 
when it comes out this Friday, the 5th of April, 2024. Go to sessionzerostudios.com forward slash packed n boon to get more info. We are so excited to share our adventures with you. Yeah, I agree. And actually, to that note, I think getting your party to gel together starts long before session zero, and it begins with character creation. And naturally, you're probably thinking like, oh, well, duh, you'd want, you know, a melee combat person in the same party as someone who casts spells or is ranged. Sure. But what I mean more is I think that relationship formula that I talked about, it might be a little bit... um, it might be a little bit incomplete. You, you probably need to add in the individual efforts of each person as well as the individual moral codes of each person. So, for example, in my current campaign, uh, I have a character named Saban. He is a lizard folk artificer. And he's, he's from the swamp. You know, he has a southern accent. And he's generally a very polite, caring individual. You know, uh, I'd say he's neutral good, tending towards lawful good. Uh, he's the kind of guy that, like, if he sees someone struggling, he'll go help for no reason. He's just a good guy, right? And uh, I put him in there yeah. just for me to have a character that I can play around with. But sometimes other of the players in the group, they are neutral or evil, uh, depending on their situation. And so they'll do things that are questionable for Saban. And to be honest, it has made Saban think, do I really want to continue with this group when they're doing certain acts, right? So I think you need to make sure that your character creation will not spawn characters that act in ways that are diametrically opposite of one another. If you have two characters that spend lots of time together in in, in incredibly intense emotions, but they disagree with each other about the basic standards of life, they will probably come to hate each other. And that's that's how you get villains, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. You you have to have, uh, during character creation, you have to create characters who would, in any world, be willing to, like, spend some time around each other, right? If it's like, oh, this is just such a big event that they have to spend time together. That I mean, that's okay, but you're not going to have as much of a gelled party as you need. Um, one thing I realized is uh, that you have to have opportunity, like little incidents are a great way even better than i think bigger incidents for your uh, characters to gel right Uh, let's say that you're in a town and your characters are at a tavern and you know everyone's giving them the stink eye and the innkeeper is actually overcharging them and they see it because everyone else like when the innkeeper is like gives them the, the like the tab essentially like the player's tab is like three times higher right that's like such a small thing and you don't think that would like help a party gel but guess what that's a perfect incident to really reveal people's like characters because unlike a big bad where it's like oh everyone just hates these you know like what do you do about the local innkeeper who you can't just well you could just massacre but like most people are going to try and find other solutions and that's where you're going to see each individual character's uh personality but then they'll have to work together and be like hey what do we do? Because you want to murder this innkeeper. I want to just steal from him. And then the priest over there just wants to, you know, turn the other cheek and leave, you know? 
if you don't have small events like that, uh, where people feel cheated, people feel like their trust was uh, betrayed, uh, people feel disappointed, then they can't flesh out their character, and they also can't make moral uh, decisions between characters, which is where a lot of that kind of connection comes from, you know? Agreed. I think when it comes down to it, you in, in some way, either physically or emotionally or spiritually, <laughs> I guess, you have to separate your characters and kind of have them secluded together. And uh, another example I, I want to use is in the one shot I'm doing on April 29th for listeners of this podcast, uh, and it's actually going to be the starting session for the next campaign I do with my group in my homebrew world of integrity, uh, the characters will essentially be on a cruise ship and all the characters will be in the same hallway and they're going to be the only people in there aside from maybe one or two other NPCs that are salient to the story. And by doing so, they'll essentially be forced to sit at the same dinner table because that's what you do at a cruise ship. You have an assigned dinner table essentially. And, mm-hmm. like, they're going to be assigned to sit next to each other. They have to talk to each other, you know, and, and they'll get to know each other that way. Um, one other thing I've noticed, though, <clears throat> and this is thinking of Critical Role. This is thinking of High Rollers, their Aroas campaign. Usually, they'll have a couple session zeros with just a few of the players. So, for example, uh, in Critical Role, their most recent campaign... Uh, Sam Regal and I believe Talis and Jaffe, their characters were kind of grouped together. Uh, I don't remember their names, but essentially when they came to session one, those two had already formed their relationship and chosen to kind of travel together. So when you have mm-hmm. that, you have smaller groups, smaller parties, it's a bit easier to kind of galvanize them together because instead of having to make ties between seven players, you're only having to make like four ties, right? Between smaller groups. And I think that's a very powerful way to also do this, though it does take a little bit more time in a few more sessions. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. I, I think that that starting uh, grouping mechanic, whether it's like, oh, they all wake up in a prison cell mm-hmm. and they're all in one. Or, uh, like you said, I love the cruise idea. I think that's going to be very fun. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think there's multiple ways that you can do that. And then that gives you the time. Like, it, it's natural, but it also gives you time later to build those uh, deeper connections, you know, as the journey goes on. Uh, I, I also think that something that helps is to provide incentives for good character sharing and interaction, right? Like everyone knows about, uh, you know, a, a common practice is if players are traveling and they do a campfire every night, you know, a classic thing for DMs is to, to touch base with the players at, at the campfire, you know, be like, okay, what do you do? Oh, you're sharpening your sword. Cool. Uh, do you talk with anyone? And then when players decide to talk with someone, maybe about the events of the day, maybe about their past then a great way to in- incentivize people is to be like, oh, that's wonderful. You know, here's, here's a point of inspiration for you, you know, uh, that you can use later. I, I love that role play. Um, and, you know, I think that there's that. I think there's also other more material ways where you can, you know, give them a bonus on the help action, right? Uh, for the next like 24 hours or something, right? Uh, by having good role play. I think honestly, when it comes to j- having players gel together, 
if you have a good start, like a good inciting incident that groups them together, and then later, if you're able to give them that frequency, that openness, and incentivized, you know, sharing, that, then I think you're going to have a great time, and your players are going to feel like they have a much uh, deeper party connection, uh, w which is the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, before I think either I froze or you froze, so I, I, like I didn't hear part of it, and then it just stopped. So uh, if, <laughs> if I acted weird, that's why. <laughs> um, I was like, but I'll keep going. <laughs> No, sorry, Tanner. Uh, the last thing I'll share is, along with incentives, you can incentivize them even within the story. So every player, every, every character should have goals and a drive, a motivation to do something. You can align some of those goals and motivations so that way, you know, a few of the players want to do the same thing. So, uh, well, I'm not going to give any spoilers about the cruise ship, but suffice it to say, at the end... Uh, all the players' motivations will align because their choices will be significantly decreased. Uh, and mm. I'm excited to see what people think about that. But anyways, uh, any any last words, Tanner, that you'd like to share before we sign off? Uh, I guess my last thing would just be a, an encouragement to make sure that your party gets meshed because it's easy to just, you know, just play uh, without without really working towards that. But you will feel a difference when the characters within the story have specific things they can say about other characters. Like, oh, I've been through this with that other character. I would never leave him alone, you know? Mm -hmm. Things like that, they add a lot of flavor. They add a lot of realism and emotional depth uh, to a story that could be very surface level otherwise. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you, listener, for sticking in with us. Uh, we'd love to have you back next week to hear another episode of How to Be a Better DM. But until then, let's go ahead and roll initiative. Do you love these podcast episodes but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that, frankly, no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week.